Hello everyone, welcome back. This is the second part of the episode with Alcizio Canecci, in which we continue discussing the role of the military, specifically looking at the probability of Bolsonaro trying to launch a coup and what eventualities may lay ahead for Brazil. That's all followed by an after party, where we make some comparisons between Brazil and other countries, uh, and there's other stuff too, so stick around for that. That brings us to today, I think. What is the role exactly of the military now? And I think, let me let me also add in a little bit of context as well, because Bolsonaro has said that he will only leave office dead, or maybe dead or in handcuffs. Um, actually, handcuffs is probably more likely than dead. But the reality is that he has constantly threatened to mount a coup. And we're recording this actually on the 2nd of September, uh, which is five days before Brazil's National Independence Day, where last year Bolsonaro tried to hold a massive show of force. There was fears that he would even mount a coup uh, on that day, or at least that his supporters would seek to invade uh, this uh, the Supreme Court building. Anyway, so we're a couple of days away from this. I think you, listener, uh, will be hearing this episode a couple of days before, so you'll have to keep, out, keep an eye out for what actually happens on the 7th of September, and we'll be back with with more episodes on it uh, looking back afterwards. Uh, but, but the point I want to underline here is that a question looking at what, what happens uh, you know, at the 2022 elections has been, and one of the key questions has been, what, how will the military behave should Bolsonaro lose and Lula return to power? And a lot of the debate has uh, kind of gone along the axis of whether uh, the military brass, the military leadership uh, are fully supportive of Bolsonaro. It's not entirely clear. He clearly has his right-hand men, some very senior generals, as Alcizio has just described, but there's others who might not, who might not be uh, in lockstep right behind Bolsonaro. Uh, then there's the question of how the rank and file will behave, and a, a very important question, which is often maybe overlooked by, by overseas uh, observers, which is the role of the military police. Now, the military police was one of these other legacies of the military dictatorship, which unfortunately the new uh, democratic constitution of 88 didn't uh, do away with. So you have um, the kind of regular beat cops are effectively parts of the uh, section of the military. And they, they're, they're run at the state level, but their numbers are larger than the army as a whole. So it's, a, it's an extremely large body of men who by and large, are behind Bolsonaro. So there's lots of questions there. And I wonder, Alcizio, what's your take on what the military's posture is with regard to Bolsonaro's golpismo? Well, let's, it's, it's a big topic. So let's go. Uh, first of all, they're being very friendly to every single attempt to subvert democracy that Bolsonaro has taken so far. Uh, mainly, chiefly, the, the issue with the of voting booths like we have an electronic system of voting and bolsonaro is constantly questioning it by no reason at all it's a very safe uh system because no nothing is connected to the internet and the source code has been audited by every single university in the country it's fine and it's very fast and it's very it's, it's very efficient really and he's questioning it for a long time he wanted the, the votes to be on paper and the votes would be not secret anymore and they, they wanted to, wanted to public counting of voting which is complicated you can imagine like there's lots of places in brazil where like state power is it's <laughs> diffuse to yeah. say the least <laughs> can you imagine like they go into a, a, a place that's ran essentially by military police off duty the the, the place the, the region 
they control it, and they count publicly the votes in that section out loud. So they have an expectation, and that expectation better not be subverted. So that's that's how Bolsonaro wanted the election to go. Of course, there was you know not they didn't go through, but the military were behind him at every step of the way. They still are. They still are trying to make last-minute changes in the way we vote. And there's a very big point here. They are the ones who take the the boxes to the places. Most, mostly. Like, it's them and the military police and the, the post office. So, yeah, it's it might be an issue. It, I, I, I would not take out of the question that, you know, some of them disappear and they say, well, you see, the election is not good. We have to do it again. Uh, it's not out of the question. So, firstly. Secondly, uh, they do not want a full coup because they don't want power. They want money. Yeah. And that's what Bolsonaro has given them mainly. Like, Bolsonaro has, uh, one of the first things he did when he came to power, he issued an edict saying uh, they could accumulate their incomes. So everyone who had, uh, in Brazil, if you work for the public office, I don't care how many uh, how many jobs you do for the public works. If you're a teacher, you can teach three places and stuff. You, you cannot make over 32,000 reais a month. It's illegal. That money, it's kept and you make nothing above. But now, if you're in the military, you can go above the camp. So his ministers, his colonels, his generals, his mates are making like 150 grand a month, which yeah. is a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Especially and in Brazil. It, I mean, it's uh, it's about, what is that? Um, it's a football player's wage. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a professional athlete's wage, like NBA player level, uh, Premier League player level. That's that's how much money yeah. they're making. <laughs> I think I think it's important to underline as well that um, kind of what we're dis- discussing here that there's different phases to to the or I guess different priorities which the military has. We've already discussed their anti-communism, conservative values, uh, their kind of uh, role, the way they see themselves as being the father of the country and needing to combat the internal enemy. But they are also very corporatist, and one of their main objectives very greedy. And, and very greedy, and probably the one of their main objectives, maybe their bottom line even, is fundamentally that their rights and privileges uh, get maintained. Um, and that's that's one thing that we see played out. And this, is, I guess, is why you're saying that they don't want necessarily um, a, a proper coup in a kind of Cold War sense of tanks on the streets and them taking yeah. executive power. And because they can't do that uh, successfully now because we had a big... Uh, reform in the pensions in our country a couple of years ago and the office the, the officer cadre essentially pulled the rug from the rest of the army like you only get privileges uh very nice like very nice retirement is only reserved to lieutenant and above if you're not an officer uh, sorry you're gonna retire like everyone else and that was a big issue, a big issue in internal. Like they, they have like very large, uh, looming things to solve. I don't think they're gonna, the the soldiers are gonna rise up because they don't have the ideological uh, difference to do so. They they essentially 
they essentially vow for the same ideological vein and I don't see them different enough to to go for an uprising. But, as you said, the military police, that's another story. Because they, they were out of this, uh, the military police in general was out of the reform, even the officers, and that was... Oddly, they are fine with it. I don't get it because, like, the police state in general, not only the military police, like, federal police is not militarized, but they're essentially very pro-Bolsonaro as well. And he has done nothing but shaft them in every single opportunity he had. And they're still for him. I, I don't get it. Like, I really don't get it because they're not getting the money. Yeah. They're not getting, they're not being well treated. Uh, on the other hand, like, the federal police who's responsible for investigating mainly corruption it's it's getting it's getting run like it's made it's being made a joke of by bolsonaro because he keeps firing every guy who's going to investigate his family and his mates so it, it's odd i don't get how it's it, it's of course very ideological but even if You've, you're very ideologically aligned with someone. If he's going to start like taking money out of a wallet, you, you might think of, you know, maybe I let this go. Maybe I don't support him so much anymore. But I do think in the 7th of September, what Bolsonaro is planning a, a circus in Rio. See, uh, this is the birthday of our independence. We're going 200, 150 years uh, independent from Portugal. 200 years independent from Portugal. So... It's going to be, he wanted to do a massive military parade on Copacabana Beach. By coincidence, he was going to hold uh, an electoral campaign thing at the same time, at the same place. Uh, and the mayor said, no, if the military wants to do their parade, they can do the parade where uh, they always do, which is in downtown, in front of the headquarters of the military. That's where they always did it. And if they want to do there, fine. If they don't want to do there, they're not going to do anywhere. I'm not going to authorize it. And the military backed off. They said, well, we're not going to take thanks to Copacabana. But we're going to do a sort of a parade there. You see, Copacabana has a big fort. And it's a very historical fort. Because there was an uprising there in the 30s. Like a very anti-communist uprising mm. uh, ha uh, happened there this Jesuit the Forge and there's like statues and stuff around town for that it's a very it's a very important date for the military because they see as the the first time where they fought the evil communist uh, uh, threat and they won so and it was a very stupid idea by the the, the military guys who tried to do a communist insurrection essentially tried to do an insurrection in that end street so that was not going anywhere but you know there's a symbolism and uh they're gonna put like some military uh installments it's gonna be like more art than actual uh firepower but they're gonna parade a couple of uh, military vehicles in front of the fort so people can go to the Bolsonaro thing and they can take pictures with the thing and they can associate, you know? It's going to do a, a little bit like a party by association. Uh, so that's that's what's going to happen on the 7th of September and it is surely going to use that 
to inflame his base and say, look, you see, the military are with me, let's try something. And I think he's going to try something. He's going to try something already on the 7th of September. Uh, No, I think he's going to try something uh, in the election. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the seventh of September is a is a, an attempt is a possibility is an is an opportunity for a show of force like it was last yeah, year. Yeah, but last if, year if it, it kind of it failed flops, a little bit because it, it if it, it really fails, like if it really fails, he might get a, a rug pull from the political his political allies because yeah. you see it's a weird election because most of his allies are not running their campaign uh, material with Bolsonaro's picture. They, they hide Bolsonaro from their own material. So, like, if if they see that Bolsonaro has no future, as you said, political parties in Brazil are not for real. So they're just going to pull the plug on his uh, election money and they're going to direct it elsewhere and his election is going to dry out and it's going to hang him out to dry. And they might even say, well, uh, we're going to kick him out of the party after the election and he's without a party and he's going to be like uh, a pariah. And, and that's the price to get into the new PT coalition. I would not doubt it. And I would actually would love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think just to kind of round this out, I think it's notable and I think listeners will probably have gleaned this by now, that Bolsonaro is in some ways very unpopular. He has a hardcore support base, which is very strongly behind him. And of course, he has allies in the military and in the military police. But at the same time, his lack of popularity means that it should be a done deal. It should be fairly obvious that Lula and his very large coalition that he's assembled from all sections of mainstream politics, um, when he has fair bits of the media behind him, as and has made this effectively into a plebiscite on democracy successfully. Um, that's what this has become. It should be a fairly uh, easy run deal. E- even if he doesn't win in the first round, you'd expect him to win comfortably in the second round. And yet, and yet, there's still a lot to be debated and a lot to be nervous about precisely because of Bolsonaro's kind of golpista aims. And it doesn't mean that necessarily, I think, Bolsonaro will successfully lead a coup in in a kind of traditional sense, but that there can be enough levels of political violence, enough chaos cause, enough disputation of the election results to create a pretty unprecedented situation. And I don't know, I mean, I've my argument has repeatedly been that the scenario in which Lula doesn't become president is one in which um, there is so much chaos that maybe the judiciary intervenes, says we're going to postpone elections, we're going to put a placeholder in place, um, some sort of uh, supervisorship uh, ends up happening. And that's the another further nail in the coffin of Brazilian democracy. I don't, how do you see this playing out? Just to kind of uh, kind of finish this up here. I, I don't see the judiciary doing that. I think they realize uh, the gravity of the situation. And to, like the Supreme Court justice, who is res- essentially responsible for making sure the elections go through, is not a PT guy. Actually, he's quite the opposite. He was put in, he was put in there by the guy who did the coup on Juma. Uh, Temer. So this guy, Alexandre de Moraes, he's the one who's leading the charge against Bolsonaro and for the elections. So, you know, like when when that guy, that very right wing 
associated guy in, in Sao Paulo, a very traditionalist man, is the one saying, no, 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 we're going to keep this boat afloat. You can kind of tell that it's not going to ruin. Because, and, you know, the banks already said, we don't want to rupture. The, the main bourgeoisie already said, well, look, uh, this is not going to fly. We, we really need democracy now. Like, yeah, it's not the, it's not the 60s. We, we cannot have it. So I think uh, they're going to make sure the elections are done proper and whoever wins, wins. And Lula is not a threat. They know Lula is not a threat. Actually, look, Lula is very, very good for, for business. <laughs> and he, yeah. and he's, he, he's going to bring back the trade deals. Like, uh, there's a massive trade deal that's been uh, essentially on hold between Brazil and the European Union that is uh, that was not signed because of Bolsonaro and he wants to uh, save that and that's very interesting to the Brazilian bourgeoisie because as much as lots of them are industrialists they really want to deindustrialize the country which is a thing in itself but uh, and that's very good for them like opening markets and stuff so yeah, they they realize that whatever they try to do with Bolsonaro, it's, it's not good. Like, it, you know, they might like his uh, finance minister, but, you know, because he really had, like, a big push towards the uh, stock markets. But, you know, he absolutely ransacked the actual economy. Like, he financialized Brazilian economy to an extent there was nothing left in the real economy. And we essentially like not growing for a decade. Uh, everything is stagnated. Uh, we're gonna uh, the the guys who you know run the uh, the big plantation stuff. They're losing deals left, right, and center because Brazil is not compliant to uh, deforestation uh, goals and human rights goals towards indigenous people. They realize they're realizing this this is not sustainable. Like four more years of Bolsonaro will be very damning for business. So it might as well get rid of them. And, and you see the people who really support Bolsonaro is some sort of lumpen bourgeoisie. Like they're not the main guys. Yeah. They're like Big, like, some big retailers, uh, yeah, re owner of restaurant chains, things like that. Yeah, there's there. It's just not the big players. There's no big like banks or a big industry or you know the big money is not with them. And I think if you don't have the support of the big bourgeoisie and if you don't have like a lot of popular support, where are you gonna where are you gonna hold yourself? Because you can do yeah. a coup, but what about the day after? Like, the military, they do think about that. Like, ah, yeah, we can take power, but what are you going to do on Monday? <laughs> exactly. going to be fucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, very good. Um, one final thing uh, before we go. I'll, I'll ask you for a prediction. What's going to happen in the election? Um, just to put you on the spot. Uh, I think Lula wins. Uh, he might win on the first round. I would bet money on that because these three things are very, uh, very powerful in Brazil. Is that people, when they realize their candidate is going to lose, they don't go vote. Voting is mandatory in Brazil, but it's not really mandatory. Like because if you're like not in your city to vote, you can just say, "Well, I was, I was traveling," so people just will go to the beach. Said, "Ah, I'm not going to vote for Bolsonaro. I'm going to travel." And they're just not going to vote for him, which is very, very bad for his down ballot candidates, which are really, like, really in the danger. Like, Bolsonarismo as a movement 
might really be wiped out of these elections because most of them are uh, in his, his party, Pele. But Pele is a very traditional, a very traditional rent your party thing. So lots of people who had a lot of votes were very, you know, who who who've been in the who've been around the block, they're running the same ballot. Uh, so bolsonaristas might be well voted, but might not be as well voted, and they help to put the old guys back into power, and they all get wiped out. That that is a very realistic proposition. Not for Eduardo Bolsonaro, who is a big voter, uh, big vote draw, but for the small bolsonaristas, they are running very dangerous game, very dangerous game. And if the you know like the more fanatical bolsonaristas say well it's not worth it because like it's a part of his base are not wanting to vote because first they think the everything's rigged because they actually believe him so what's the point second of all they're very frustrated that he never did a coup they're, yeah so and if he do like a coup thing in in the 7th of september and again they see that he, he can't do it they might you know let him die off and if they these guys don't vote his down ballot men won't get elected and you know you're gonna get a more like a scenario you had into 2010s instead of 2018 which is bad but much better so that is a very thing very important things people that will not go and vote because they won't be bothered that's very important second of all people who see they want to do away with the second round because they think, well, I want to travel and I don't want to vote again. So might as well, I was going to vote for Ciro, I was going to vote for Tebet, I was going to do something else, but I might as well vote for Lula and get this over with. This is a very yeah. powerful thing. This, yeah. this is like a half a percent to one percent of every election. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that, there's those two factors are going to be very big. And there are a lot of demobilization campaigns, like people are trying to convince other people not to vote because it's pointless. So Bolsonaro is running that. So his base is the most sensitive to voting alienation. For Essentially, that's a voting suppression tactic. They ran against the left for 10 years in Brazil, and I was getting back to their asses, and it's so fun. <laughs> All right, very good. Um, unfortunately, you're just uh, you know strengthening stereotypes people might have of Brazil. No, we don't want to vote. We might just go to the beach instead. <laughs> uh, well, but that, that's a that is a stereotype for a reason. <laughs> All right, very good. I'll see you. Thanks very much. This has been a lot of fun. This has been really interesting. I hope listeners and I'm sure they will have gained a lot from it. Cheers, man. Yeah. Cheers. Okay, and we're back. Um, guys, What any thoughts on what Alcizio said? What stood out to you in particular? I think one thing which would be interesting to discuss would be the role of the military in Brazilian politics, um, where, you know, it, it, it's been a kind of constant feature in many countries of um, similar stature, I guess, and, and role within um, world politics, right? Um, if we think of uh, a country like Pakistan or Turkey, um, 
Brazil and kind of Argentina for that matter as well. Uh, I guess what's remarkable is in Brazil is, is that um, the military never really went away without ever making itself really present in the way that it has constantly in, um, you know, Pakistani politics, mm. for example. So I wasn't, I mean, I'm not an expert on the Brazilian military, but I, irrespective of whether or not their textbooks have changed from the Cold War, I find it difficult to imagine that they, um, you know, that their outlooks, at least at the senior and maybe even at the mid-level, haven't been changed in the last, you know, 30 years, because the kinds of connections they will have had, the kinds of training courses they will have been on, will be very different from the, um, you know, from the kind of uh, Cold War School of the Americas anti-guerrilla training. So I'm not quite sure the idea that they're still kind of marinated in anti-communism at the senior level or that they've not moved on, that I struggle to believe in. And this is, you know, from having encountered some Brazilian officers myself, and which is not to say it's a kind of a scientific sample, but I imagine if that if there was anything to go by, then I think, um, you know, there's not simple continuity there. And it's interesting you mentioned Turkey, right? Because the big story of Turkey, obviously, is that the Turkish military was broken by a um, authoritarian president. And everyone has expected for a long time that the Brazilian military would have intervened by now and um, for either, you know, either against Bolsonaro or against Lula or something. And thus far, at least they haven't. So I wonder if perhaps, you know, the however um, great Brazil's difficulties that um, perhaps even, you know, the expectation that the mm. military will save Brazil, even if kind of, um, I mean, and I'm saying it kind of deliberately, ironically, um, I think that era might might be in the past. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Alcizio made a, a, a good point specifically on the, the military that, I mean, his his judgment was that Lula wouldn't try to take the military on. I mean, that he's he wouldn't be sufficiently strong to to combat this this force in Brazilian politics, which I think is a um, I think that's an interesting kind of analysis of the limits of the Lula project that there is this force which is um, clearly a potential constraint um, to to what Lula might might want to achieve. But given his, there are some the certain aspects of his, I guess, pro business um, platform, and also I guess concessions to the military wanting to keep its um, privileges and 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 rights of various sorts, that he wouldn't look to change anything too fundamental about this. Um, I guess this shoring up of property, this final kind of use of violence if if there is a um more than a pink tide like a red tide if there were to be something a, a deeper shade of red then you could still have the brazilian military stepping in and, and saving the day for for the capitalist class um and that lula wouldn't try to undermine that or try to to kind of reduce the the solidity of their of their base well i was impressed by you know elcesio kind of cast it as the ingratitude of the Brazilian military, but I was rather impressed by Lila's political nous in trying to divide the military by supporting the Navy against the army. And so kind of trying to exploit inter-service rivalries as a way of checking them. And, but, you know, his big mistake, um, which is entirely unsurprising, but also, you know, kind of grimly predictable, was giving the military um, Haiti, uh, you know, on a silver platter, kind of uh, the politically kind of correct version of it imperialism um in the um in the form of un peacekeeping in haiti yeah and how much that has um backfired in so many ways 
Yeah, no, I, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, but I think that the question of you know Lula taking on the military or not. I mean, it, we're so far away from that now at this stage. Uh, we have the whole, you know, we have eight years of tenure, um, which Lula, you know, from two thousand three till twenty ten. Uh, so you know, the, like as as record, and that was in conditions which would have been much more propitious to actually taking on the military uh, compared to now. Um, even even if now is a moment at which taking on the military um, shows its rears its head, you know, as as a as a much greater necessity than it maybe was, or maybe than it appeared to to most people in in the kind of boom years of the mid two thousands. Uh, so the expectation that Lula would be able to do anything of any kind of structural um, importance is it's not even being discussed. So I don't think trying to debunk that. Is, is almost kind of like, uh, you know, swinging a bat at a, at a ball that hasn't even been pitched to you, right? Because it's like, th- there is nothing to be debunked there. Lula is pretty explicit that he's coming in for four years to kind of put Brazil back on the tracks um, to make administration work properly, to kind of end the pitch to people in general is we're going to bring back the good times, you know, you're going to have your barbecue and beer again. And that's about it. And, you know, so there's no, there's no prospect of, of being there for, for eight years. I mean, you know, that obviously <laughs> those are promises which are very frequently broken in politics. But the point is, is that um, there is no, there's no um, even suspicion of an ambition there that, because if you, if worth recalling what happened in 2002, that when uh, Lula was first elected, when he first won, even though he had run several times before that, uh, he wrote this letter to the Brazilian people, which was actually a letter to Brazilian bankers, effectively telling them, you know, I'm not going to do anything radical, don't worry. But at that time, there could have still been some suspicion that, ah, well, he needs to play the game, but once he's in power, he's going to do, you know, X, Y, Z, good thing. Now there's no... There's no, I don't think there's any pretense of of that happening. I mean, I, the left doesn't believe that. I think. Um, I mean, maybe leftists abroad who have always had a a, a, a misguided and and kind of clouded vision of what actually Lula and the Workers Party represents and has represented certainly in the past 20, 30 years. So anyway, um, I, I I just say that because I I don't think there are ex you know particularly great hopes from anyone. Do you think that Lula's basic political basic platform for this election is a kind of bbbbq like bring back barbecues because it there's a there's a cultural importance right in in brazil of the the barbecue the big uncle of the barbecue i remember this this phrase i've used it many times probably probably at every barbecue that i've been at where and this is the tony soprano character with the cigar handing out the the meat and the the political opinions um as as they do so i mean is this is this the essentially like i will bring back the barbecues and this is, this is why you should yeah. should vote for me, and you get four years of barbecues, and then we'll go on to the next the next political task. Yeah, I mean, basically it is, and I mean, probably you can add in a, a, another B in there, which would be somehow Biden esque, which is you know kind of um, you you know we've had this kind of crazy Trump experience. Let's go back to 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 the old times, right? But I don't want to. Well, that's not that Biden esque. I think that's because that's listening to it's interesting the. You know, kind of, so Lula's pitch is for normality, which is very far from, you know, the pitch, I think, of other kind of major political figures at the moment. Um, if Lula's pitching for beer and barbecue and, you know, ordinary people can afford a barbecue again, that's very different from the Biden pitch, which is kind of cranking up the the pressure 
um, and is not kind of trying to offer the, the but, be the candidate of normalcy. But right? but, but sorry, so, let me just let me just because I, what it, Biden did run on normalcy in the election, it was like we're going to expunge Trump, right? It wasn't cranking up the rhetoric. You know, it wasn't the the main pitch wasn't we're going to, you know, crack down on domestic terrorism and white nationalists and whatever. It was like we're going to kind of make things normal again. Um, But anyway, I mean, I take I take your point. I take your point about. I don't think that's right, Alex. I don't think that I don't think it it was about it. What it was political normalcy, perhaps, and that was a pitch though to their own base. But it wasn't the kind of normal, you know, like let's just kind of um, have normal life restored. Right. I think that's different. And I also think your characterization of Trump as a COVID denier, you know, land, I mean, it wasn't accurate um, because I think that's important then is to the fact that um, Bolsonaro and Trump are so far apart in terms of their response to COVID is also what gives Lula his kind of opening to make the ki- make the case for the good times to come back. No, I mean, I in general, you're right. I, the 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 comparisons to the U.S. are in, more often than not uh, misleading rather than kind of illuminating. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I would say the Biden thing only in so far as it kind of returned to normalcy, not any greater claims. Because you're right, I think that the the kind of populist pitch to you know you're going to have your beer and your barbecue back um, is something which doesn't really wouldn't it isn't there in the U.S. And I, just one point before George comes in that the there's a history to this because what lulista politics has been has been inclusion through consumption right this is a, a point made by andres singer one of the best um, pt thinkers and kind of in-house pt critics i guess uh and the idea is that yeah you're able to include you know which is a huge step forward um in in the context of brazilian history and yet extremely limited politically in terms of what it proposes because and one which actually ends up um you know, seed, um, sowing the seeds for later kind of um, coming apart, which is to say, if you include people only through access to credit, uh, through uh, increased consumption and through cash transfers, that can one, very quickly be taken away. And two, it's done on a very individualistic, individualized basis, um, which does necessarily build the possibility for solidarity and greater solidarity in the future. And so what Bolsonaro, uh, excuse me, what Lula is pitching here is very much in line with his past record. No, I think that's a yeah, a really yeah, a well-made point. I guess the the question that comes out from that is what what's Bolsonaro's um like counter pitch beyond the I, I guess you and Alcizio discussing the kind of anti-communism which is always there to draw on, but that doesn't seem from an outside perspective at least to to kind of you know to to be as 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 strong and as provenly successful as Lula's brand of inclusion through consumption. I mean, the idea of bring bring back beer and barbecue, you know, you can see that on a as an add an, add another bit. <laughs> I mean, but you can see that on a on a campaign badge or you or well maybe not on a campaign badge. But you know what I mean there's a there's a there's a definitely an appeal there to like this uh floor of consumption that 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 gets you the the votes because and and, and that will probably win yeah. Lula the election. I, I I agree, but I yeah. think but the anti-communism, you know, which is specific, the specific form is anti-pichismo, you know, hatred of the workers' party. And of course, you know, we know that there's no communism there, but that doesn't stop anti-communism actually being a force. Um, you know, has it's you know, it was what uh, brought 
a, a guy who is maybe not a total unknown, but for the wider Brazilian population was an unknown and who had no TV time, basically, um, compared to his rivals, um, because Brazil's uh, is you know, tightly controls the amount of TV time that you get, TV and radio time you get proportionally on the basis of how many seats you have in Congress. And so he took this very small party to become the largest party in Congress. Um, and he he did that riding the hatred of 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 the workers party kind of wave which was of course tied to the expose of corruption and so on so i i wouldn't underestimate that and if it goes to a second round as seems likely that will be cranked up to the maximum um and and he will try at his best bolsonaro will to remind everyone how much they hated the workers party um you know only 4 5 yeah. 6 years ago yeah but i mean it's been an eventful 4 5 six years well, it has I indeed mean, and, and, COVID. Yeah. yeah yeah so i think we're going to leave this here because don't want to blow our wad all in one go the bunga zone will continue we're going to be back with more episodes on brazil in the lead up and through the election and they're going to be coming out a little bit more sporadically so it's not going to be your regular bunga tuesday episode always it'll be um some bonus stuff so anyway uh bunga zone will continue for for a little while and we'll be back with more in a bit catch you later bye-bye mm-hmm.